0: Amen. Well, we're back in our series here with parenting, the second week to deal with parenting. And uh, last week, if you recall, we we looked at what it means to parent with the gospel, parenting with the gospel, and and I think that's very much at the center and the core of all that parenting is and does mean. And this week is kind of a, it's going to piggyback on that. And what we're going to look at is the necessity in our parenting for when we do apply the gospel and understand how to deal with it, we have to address the issues of the heart. The heart is at the center of of our being, and it's really what God is after. And He's after the heart and the hearts of our children. And so often it's quick and easy to get after just behavior, but realizing we really have to address the issues of the heart. So before we begin, let's pray and ask God to bless our time. Father, We look to you as our Heavenly Father, and we know that we can come to you now because we are in your beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Spirit. And this morning, we look to you as needy children, and you as the most amazing Father. And you truly do address the issues of the heart. You, by your Spirit, like none other, are able to pierce us, to impact us, to affect us, to transform us. Because you, O God, are all-powerful, and you're good, and all-wise, and amazing in every way. Grant us grace, Father, this morning that we would know, that we would understand your ways, that we would be like you and formed into the image of your Son. For we ask it in his name. Amen. I want to begin with a little bit of an encouragement for all of us, because sometimes I think this can get lost. I don't want you to hear any message on parenting and go, Oh man, did I ever blow it. Am I ever a loser? <laughs> I, and, and, and hearing what you're about to hear, and hearing what we do hear about parenting, don't feel condemned. We all need to realize we all need to realize how much we've blown it, and how horrible we are as parents at times. Because I don't care who you are, if you have kids that turn out, it isn't because you're such amazing parents. It's because God is gracious, kind, and merciful. And here's the good part. No matter how much you've messed up in the past, you can move forward because God is the God who makes springs in desert. He takes deserts and turns them into gardens. That's what he does. He's able to do that. And do you realize that sometimes the most powerful parenting moment you have is when you sit down with your kids and you confess to them your sins and your shortcomings as a parent and how you failed. Those moments, you want to talk about addressing issues of the heart. Those moments are powerful. And sometimes they have more effect and more impact on our children than anything great that we think we do. So I want us to begin this morning understanding that don't hear something and then realize, say, here's the standard, here I am, I'm a horrible failure, so why even try? Don't don't hear that. We should always hear God's word say, and here is the standard, here's what he's calling to us, and we see ourselves here, and you know what our our response should be? I gave it away. (laughs) Repentance. We should confess our sins, turn to God, and look to Him to give us the grace we need. Every single one of us here have failed in numerous ways, uncountable ways. And what God does is He takes those, as we confess, as we repent, and as we turn, and He turns them around and works them out for our good and for His glory. So if you've blown it, don't despair. Confess it. Confess that you failed and pray that God will use it and move forward. So with that is an encouragement. Let us look at the centrality of the heart. The necessity to aim at the heart. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, chapter six verse 5. Here is the, the heart and center of the Scriptures that basically nail the center point of all that's said in the Law and the Prophets. And this is actually coming just before he's about to tell parents what they're to do with their children. You're to teach them this when you walk by the way, when you sit down, when you rise up, when you're in the gate, when you're in your house, wherever you're at all the time, this is to be at the center. And what is it? Deuteronomy 6, chapter 6, verse 5. We are to love the Lord your God. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, we are to love God with everything that is within us. All of our hearts. On that hangs all the law and the prophets. On that is what we're trying to drive at and hit towards imparenting. parenting. He just goes on to say right after that, that this is what we're to teach diligently to our children, that they're to love God with all their hearts. Proverbs 4.23, in reference to the heart, says, that from our hearts flow the issues of life. From the heart flows the issues of life. All the things in our life comes from our heart. Jesus said in Luke chapter six forty five that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He also said that it was from the heart that all evil springs. We had read for us this morning, it's not what goes into the man that defiles him, but what comes out of the man. And where does it come from? It comes from the abundance of his heart. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus was constantly making statements throughout the Gospels that would expose our lusts, our desires, and the ambitions of the heart. You know what? He was never impressed. Jesus was never impressed with outward conformity and the religion of men. The religion that men could see. He went after the Pharisees, didn't he? Didn't he nail them? these whitewashed tombs that on the outside are all nice and pretty and on the inside, what were they? Dead man's bones. They washed the outside of the cup, but inside it was filthy. He called them hypocrites. And you know why? Because they presented on this side here a facade that was just a big, nothing but a big farce. It wasn't reality. It wasn't what was going on in the heart. As parents, we also need to address the heart. Because it's with the heart that one believes the gospel and follows God. The heart is the center. The heart is actually what it's all about. That's what we have to address is the issues of the heart. And as parents, we need to understand that there are different motives that can produce acceptable behavior. Acceptable behavior, but you know what? Acceptable behavior that does not is not desiring to obey God and to glorify Him. Behavior that's actually fearing man and, and desiring to have the acceptance of others. For example, we can have a desire to please men. And because of that, come across as very obedient. We can be sweet. We can be great to have around. We can be delightful and we think everything's okay. And yet, because of this tendency to fear God rather than men, want their acceptance, social pressure affects us. And one day this reality, what's really going on in the heart, it gets revealed when we disobey God and go with the social pressure rather than God. And we see this today like nothing else because of what's happening in the society around us. There's pressure today. There's pressure today. To, to even in the air, Think of the whole area of the homosexuality movement. There is a tons of pressure. And the pressure, I don't know if you've noticed, it's increasing quickly on the church. And it's calling it righteousness. It's saying that it's okay. It's saying that it's good. And many many Christians are buying it. Many Christians are going with it because of the pressure. Many Christians who appeared for years to be very sweet, delightful, are beginning to confess confess this as right and good and no longer would say it's sin. And why is that? It's because they do not want to be on the outside and unaccepted by men. And the more this grows, and the more hostility increases against those who call it sin, the more you will see some Christians accepting it. And why? why? Why will this be the case? Because all along, really, what they've loved and wanted more than anything is the acceptance of men, of society, respectability, honor, the praise... Amen. So we, just, we can't just look at sweetness, compliance, or people-pleasing and assume that out of that our children have hearts that are loyal to God. We as parents, we need to aim at and address the issues of the heart. And yet, I know we fail at this. It's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy to look at behavior or compliance and just move on. But without really knowing the heart, do they, are they loyal to God? Do they love Him? And would they stand against the world and stand for God in calling good, good, and evil, evil? Or would they call evil, good, and good, evil simply because of the pressure? simply because of what everybody else is saying and doing, and they feel like they don't want to be out, they don't want to be rejected, they don't want to have to suffer anything. That's a fundamental issue of the heart. Now the question is, how do you get to the heart? Well, let's begin by looking at the shaping influences that do truly affect us. And I want to say that in this section, I am stealing a lot from uh, Ted Tripp's book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. If you're familiar with that, I basically, instead of saying, quote, I'm giving you a caveat now. Either all this is stolen or um, it's pretty much give him the credit and, and uh, I won't have to say much more than that. But I, I th- thought he did such a wonderful job of, of revealing how to understand the shaping influences. And know this, know that shaping influences are powerful and necessary and something we should be very committed to. However, don't ever look at them deterministically, which means that if I do these or put these influences in place, it will therefore equal this godly child. It have influ- these influence the heart, but they, they certainly don't necessarily pierce it and go right after it. And some of the, these influences, and in particular, I'm going to focus on the families. Influences to a child. They include family structure, family values, family roles, family conflict resolution, family response to failure, and family history. All of these shape and influence a child's heart. And all of them are important. So, here quickly, I'm going to try to go through each one, just kind of. don't spend a lot of time on it. But here's what I mean by each. First of all, family structure. Family structure will answer these kinds of questions. Is the family a traditional family or a blended family? And today, that you just never know. What? How is it structured? Is it a family with uh, two generations or three or four in it? In your home, how is the structure and how does it work? Are both parents alive and functioning in the home or not? Are there multiple children or is the family centered around just one? Where does each person fit into the birth order? How close or distant are the ages? etc.? These are all issues of influence with family structure. For example, here's how it kind of can play out. One particular aspect of this can even be birth order. A, f- a family function will affect people. Firstborns We've all heard about firstborns, right? We've all heard about lastborns. We've all heard about birth orders, because birth orders people have done research on it and realized that, hey, there's something to this, at least there's a, a dramatic pattern we're seeing. Firstborns can often uh, be responsible, structured, cautious, controlling achievers. Not always, but often, right? They're the ones because they're come up, you know they're also the ones that have all the pictures. <laughs> they kind of they they got all this goodness up front, but they also got just tons of responsibility thrown on them, and that affects them because now they're the ones expected, and they're they're the oldest, and they're they're more responsible. They've been given more responsibility, and then you think of the last born. Well, that kid just cruises around. Everything's relaxed. You know, you know they used to be really strict, but the time we got to this one, it's just like you know so he often they say you know the lastborns are these fun loving uncomplicated manipulative outgoing attention seekers who are self centered
1: not always
0: but generally it, that's what starts to happen and that's just that's just one dynamic of family structure family structure impacts people and influences them and it's an important issue something to think about and understand Another shaping influence in the home is family values. So, what's important to the the parents? What's worth a fuss? And what passes without notice? Are people more important than things? Do parents get upset over a hole in the new pants or from him disrespecting his teacher? Are children to be seen and not heard in the family? Where does God fit into the family's life? Is the family organized around loving and serving God? Or is it business it's organized around? Or is it sports the family's organized around? Or is it making money? Is that the priority of the home? What is it? These are family values, and these all have to do with what we see as most important. And you know what? It if you go and you say, God is most important in our home, But then everything that's done and how you act and how you talk and everything goes, it's like, you know, you said that, but I don't really think so. He's just kind of a, he's the one you, you pay homage to and move on with business. Another family shaping influence is family roles. What does dad do in the home? What does mom do in the home? What are the children expected to do in the home? Is dad really involved in all the aspects? Some, none. Is he completely distant? Does mom run the show? Is, she, is, is the responsibility shared? Does da- what does dad do? Is how much does he do? And how much does, does mom do? And all these questions of family roles. These will greatly influence a child and how he or she understands the world. Because some, in some cases, it's all they really know or understand. Another area of shaping influence, family conflict resolution. This can be huge. How does the family fight? How do they do it? Does everyone avoid conflict at all costs? Does everyone seem fine until dad loses it, then run? Or does everyone just walk away? Is it a home that's okay to have loose ends? Or do things need to be resolved? Is there discussion or only fierce argument? Is there mutual respect shown, understanding sought and forgiveness a normal way that things are dealt with? How is this? And of course, depending on how things are dealt with, this trains the child. And you can even hate how you deal with conflict. But you're like, and you realize I'm just like my parents, and I can't stand it. But it, it, if you don't know any better, you know what you find you do? You fall into default mode. It's just what I know, and it's just, I, don't, I, I know it's not good, and I know I shouldn't do this, but this is kind of just the pattern I grew up in. It's kind of like what I do. So when things go bad or nasty, I just run away. That's all I do. I go stick my head under the covers and hide, and it will dramatically affect your life. Another influence is the family's response to failure. Is it okay to fail? Or is that the worst thing ever? Are children made to feel foolish or are they yelled at if they can't complete a task? Are they mocked for their failures or inabilities? Does the family find amusement at others' inability and use that? How, how we respond to failure is it child become confident all of a sudden saying, you know what, it's okay to fail. Because as long as you're pressing forward, you know, we we just celebrate forward movement and we don't, you know, we don't worry about failure because failure has happened. It's a part of it. Now, failure, obviously, we're talking different than sin, someone outrightly sinned, not being dealt with, but just childishness or people having inabilities and struggling with things and moving forward. How does the family respond to failure? That's a huge influence. Shapes our hearts. Lastly, family history. Family history has to do with where the family has come from. You could be the rags-to-riches family, or you could be the family that has always had it all, or always struggled with poverty, or have had sickness, disease, and death as a constant companion. You could have a tradition in your family, a tradition of athletes, or a tradition of doctors, or a tradition of lawyers, or a tradition of teachers, or a tradition of businessmen. Family history... Kind of has a tremendous influence on your future direction. Where did you come from? It'll affect sometimes where you're going. And of course, in all of this, it's important to understand and see the power of these influences on our hearts, but also to see and understand their limitations. They have great power. But understand, if you put all the shaping influences in their lives and think, okay, we got it down, just understand they're just influences and it's not a one-for-one deal. And a lot of times what we do is we invest so much in creating the influences in lives, we think that we've got it down because we did that part right. But just look at Joseph. He's a great counterexample. (laughs) He really... If you look at his history and how things went for him when he was young, he started... He's favored. He's almost the last born. He's not liked by any of his brothers. And he's not that old. And he's, can you imagine, taken by your brothers and thrown out, left for dead? Thrown in a pit? And then you're, so he grows up without his family. It's probably in his teen years somewhere. And then he gets rescued and then it's one series of problems and troubles after another. And yet in all of this, he looks to God, trusts in God, hopes in God. And at the end of it, through all these series of trials and horrible circumstances in prison and being falsely accused, he finds himself through the favor of God at the right hand of power, the most powerful nation of the world at the time. And that he understands at the end, his brothers come to see him, that you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. A faithful man who had a lot of horrible shaping influences in his life, with events and circumstances that could really mess you up, but it didn't. And this, you'll hear stories of this constantly. And God redeems, and God transforms, and God takes from the ash heap, which he loves to do. But we just can't deny, we can't think, oh, on one hand, what God just, these things don't affect or impact a person's heart. They do. The shaping influences do. On the other hand, we can't think too much of them. Like, oh, this is a lock, solid deal. You do them and this is what you get. Parenting, it's important to understand and look at the heart. Aim at the motive of the heart. We might have really good shaping influences in our life, but we need to be looking and watching the motive as to why our children do what they do. Does their heart have a Godward orientation? Or not? And here's two basic, here's something to understand. There's two basic fundamental motives in life. There's other motives, but there's two foundational fundamental motives. And they're this. Fear and love. As people, we're motivated. We're motivated from fear and we're motivated from love. Fear of what or who? Love of what or who? Those are the questions. We either move forward because we're afraid of the consequences, we're afraid of what others will think, we're afraid of not being accepted or some other fear. Or we move forward because we love a person or a thing, or we're passionate about a person or thing. Love and fear are the two grand motives by which we move towards things or from things. A child, you might have a child that picks on somebody, another child in the playground, because he wants, and the motive is, he he fears not being accepted. And he wants and he loves and he desires the acceptance of his peers, He wants the cool kids to like him, so he picks on the kid. But he also might, you might have a kid, now here's behavior. So that kid's doing something wrong. And the other kid, you have a kid who protects and defends the picked on kid. Now that's a great behavior. But you know what? In his heart, he could be longing to be a hero and gain the respect of his peers as one who's tough and strong and willing to stand up. And so we look at purely the behavior, and what would you say? Bad behavior, good behavior. However, motives of the heart, they both have wrong, impure motives of the heart. What our children don't understand, and perhaps we don't either, is that both motives, even though you have a good action and a bad action, will produce a bondage and a slavery. Because they are motivated by the fear and love of man. And here's why. We are creatures of worship. The person or thing we love and fear the most is the person or thing we worship. And what worship is, is service. We serve them. We're like bound to them. And they control us. And by necessity, do you realize, we are, as creatures, we're, we're made like this. We're fearful. We're fearful. We have fear and we have love. We have loyalties. We have loyalties and we're very very fearful. And it's not a matter matter whether you're fear or not. It's just whom or what you will fear. And the one you fear the most and you love the most is the one you will serve. For example, let me give you an example of this to try to help us understand. Have you ever been around a group of people you feared being rejected by? I will guarantee you have. If you check your pulse right now, you realize that you're human. And as a human, if you really like this particular group, and you want to be accepted by that group, and you respect that group, and you're fearful at all of their acceptance or rejection of you, what happens? What do you do? What do you act like? Did it Was it liberating and freeing? When you're all insecure and worried and fearful of their rejection and desperate for their love? Did it energize you and give you life? Did it make you happy? Did you feel free? No! You didn't, did you? <laughs> you're terrified. You're insecure. Your palms sweat. You, you said dumb things. You're like, oh, that was stupid. What an idiot. Um, I, or, or you didn't say anything because you're afraid if you said something you're going to say you're going to be just a moron and, and be completely rejected from them so you sit there quietly you don't say a thing or don't do a thing and you go away beating yourself like oh man do you see what I said do you see what I did I, oh I'm an idiot I can't believe I did that oh that was awful I can and, and then you start flogging yourself man I can't stand myself I like what what am I this is horrible you're insecure. And you're imprisoned by your own stupidity. It caused you, in a lot of ways, to hate yourself and makes you miserable. And every one of us has experienced this. And you know what happens in those moments? You know what's going on? For us to love and to fear anyone or anything other than God leads to a kind of prison and bondage. Have you ever felt imprisoned to yourself because you loved and feared someone or something other than God? Yes, you have. And when you have, you're experiencing what it's like to worship and to serve the creature rather than the creator. God has designed us to fear and to love, but to fear and to love Him above all things. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And to to love God and to serve God and to be bound by Him and to fear Him alone is freedom. That's what we were designed and made to do, was to fear and to love God. And when we do, the heart is free. When we fear and love God, we're free from ourselves. And now, now we're capable of actually and truly loving others. And this is why, as Christian parents... We have got to shepherd the heart of our children and watch what they fear and love. What do they fear and love? Those are, that's a huge question. We have to show them the way of liberty and the way of life, the way of fullness. You know what is found in fearing and loving God? And you'll watch your children as your children go throughout life and you'll have plenty of chances to watch them. You will see their fears and you'll see their loves and they'll manifest themselves. So as you look for fear and love and you observe it, you'll see either a fear of man, a fear of things, or a fear of God. And as we see that, you know, here's the other thing. If we're people who are bound by fear and love of man or things, we can't lead them out. We ourselves are in bondage. We ourselves are trapped. We ourselves are idol worshipers and we ourselves need to deal with our own hearts. But as we see our children and we see what they fear, we see what they love and we see that they fear and love a lot of times it's not God, it's man or things. At that moment we need to we need to know how to lead them to liberty and life found in fearing and loving God. That's how we, that's how we apply the gospel to their hearts and looking making sure watching their hearts. Do they have a, in their hearts, do they love God? Do they fear God or in their hearts do I see a love and a fear of man? And it'll come out and you might have compliance, you might have behavior, they might be obeying you, but what you'll see as you look at their hearts, you're going to see them fear and love, either God or man or things. Can you address those? You can, but you have to address them in yourself First. Because it's nothing but a theoretical idea until you know the liberty and life that is found in fearing and loving God. You know what it's like. You'll know how to walk them through confessing that sin to God. We have to pra- practice the confession of saying, Father, I have feared and loved these people more than I feared and loved you. And I need you to forgive me. Oh, Father, fill me with Your Spirit, and I want to, and I desire to, and I need to fear You and love You above all things. And that's only going to happen as we devote ourselves to knowing God. Did you realize that if you fill your heart and your mind with the daily tabloid, with the headlines, with all that's going on in the world, you know what's going to happen? If you all, let's just just go on. A, we we're talking about this this morning. This the Ebola. Crisis—the stuff that's happening—it's like just go research that for a while and find out what's happening and how people, some people, die from it. All of a sudden, you'll be like, oh. you know, you become all, all freaked out about it, and you start to lose perspective. And it's almost as if you be, you could become a Chicken Little real fast because you realize that oh man, this is just right around the corner and it could get me, and then you know it could get my family, and next thing you know, you you're fearing. The wrong thing. But if you fixed your heart and your mind on who the Lord God is, the sovereign one, the ruler of the universe, and you delight in Him and He's your headline, He's the one you pur- you pursue, He's the one you seek after and seek to understand and to know His power, His goodness, His love. He's sovereign. He rules all. He's over all. Do you know what your perspective you're going to have? You're going to grow in your fear and your love of Him. And all of a sudden you look at the headlines And they don't have the same impact on you. You don't fear that. You Don't love the things of the world. But start eating the things of the world. Delighting in the things of the world. uh, Walking in the things of the world. Being around to the things of the world. Feasting your mind and thoughts on the things of the world. And I guarantee you, you will love the things of the world. So do you want to shepherd your child's heart, you have got to understand the centrality of the heart and know that in the heart there's, there's things that will affect it, like the shaping influences you put in your life. But, but the most important thing is to watch your children and look at what they fear and at what they love and show them the way of liberty and of life to be free from it. By feasting on the Lord and fearing him and loving him. And when you walk by the way, when you sit down, when you stand up, wherever you go, understand his power, goodness, and love and get it into your bones. And as you fear him and love him, you'll be set free. Amen. Father, we're so thankful. So thankful. For your word. And Father, I'm here to confess as a a parent who's failed in this so many ways. Father, forgive me. Forgive us. Forgive us for as parents for just so often simply dealing with behavior and forgetting to deal with the heart. Oh, Father, give us a love and a fear of you and forgive us for loving and fearing the world and men and the things in it. Cleanse us from this unrighteousness and fill us with your spirit. Father, that we would love you and serve you alone above all things and find in that our liberty, our peace, our joy, and the fullness of life. Father, have mercy on all of us and that we will be faithful and diligent to protect our hearts and know that you alone are to be feared. You are to be loved above all things. Amen.